0: We had the Morris Trio singing with their mom and dad this morning as part of our worship team, and Wayne and Valerie are here as well, and uh, and so we're really pleased to hear what you have to say. Excellent. Thank you very much. That was a very good introduction. Makes it a lot easier for me to start off. Perfect. So yes, as Wayne mentioned, I have been working in Burkina since 2007. There's a map coming up for people who don't know where it is, which is common. So West, it's in West Africa. The small purple one in the middle of the colors. That's Burkina Faso. Exactly. So like I said, I've been there 12 years. We work with Wycliffe Bible translators whose goal, as they says, is to translate the Bible into every language that needs it. So in Burkina itself, we have about 70 languages. Our team works together with four countries, Burkina, Niger, which is the big purple one just to the north, Mali beside it, and then here it's the French map, so Côte d'Ivoire, what we call Ivory Coast in English. So we work together with the four countries, our whole team, and between the four countries, there's about 200 languages. We've got about 80 active translations going on all at once. So as Wayne said, now my role, I used to work with one or two at a time. I still get to help out teams one at a time, but I also oversee and ensure that through our team, all of these translation teams have the support that they need, have the training that they need. So it's gotten a lot more complicated and interesting in the last few years. Excellent. When I was thinking about how to present this today, I'm like, I've been here before. I keep going through. Here's the step-by-step. How do I make it different this time? And so since I am home for a whole year, I've been back three months already, which is longer than I've been back in Canada for quite some time. So that's time, I thought I'd frame it around what I'm enjoying about being home, comparing that with Burkina. So there's a few simple things, got a picture next, just grocery shopping. I'm enjoying shopping in Canada because I can go to the store with my list and expect to find what I want. I can go to the store, I know I want Raisin Bran. This is one of my favorite things that you cannot buy in Burkina like, if I want Raisin Bran, I know I can find it. If I go to a store in Burkina, this is a small one, very close to our office, you're just going to guess. Maybe the delivery came that week, and maybe you can find what you want. Maybe the delivery didn't get through. Maybe it's stuck at customs. You don't know. So you go into the store with your list, but with 10 possibilities, based on what arrived this week. So I love just being able to say, all right, I can plan on this. Another simple thing, driving. Driving here is just so easy. I almost think it's boring. <laughs> here, let's see, we've got a picture of some of the traffic. Here, people stay in the lane where you think they should be. When they come to a red light, you can expect them to stop. If they're turning left, you can expect they will be in the left lane, not in the right lane. And it's just so boring here. Burkina, you've got cars, half the people don't have a driver's license, you've got motorcycles on the road, you don't even have to have a driver's license to drive a motorcycle. So they don't even know what the rules are supposed to be. You've got people with their donkey carts, you can see in the picture, that's slowing traffic down. And it's pure chaos, pure chaos. So you really have to pay attention and it's really stressful. And I love driving here. It's just so simple. So, so simple. (laughs) Those are a couple simple things. Something else that I'm enjoying. can move on. I love coming back and appreciating my Christian family. A Christian heritage. We can come to church. I started coming here when I was six. I have a Christian family. Parents who taught me that. Grandparents who taught me that. I used to take that for granted. This is just how you go. This is how families are. This is what families do. It's not true. I appreciate it very much now. I have one friend here. Oh dear, I can't see her. This is an F C 2 She's one of my neighbors. She's a student. She helps me clean the house. She takes very good care of me. She grew up in a Muslim family. But she went to a Christian school. I find that amazing. God is good. She went to a school through the Compassion Project. A lot of people have heard of that. And at the Compassion Schools, they teach the Bible. So she grew up, she heard the Bible stories, but she was in a Muslim family. And to leave a Muslim family and become a Christian is really difficult. Because you're not just telling your parents, Oh, I think I'm going to go to that church instead of the mosque. You're saying, I'm not going to follow our family. You're cutting ties with your whole family. We've had many colleagues that have not been able to speak to their family for years because of the rift it causes, twitching. So, too was sitting on the fence. She grew up in a Muslim family. She knew that's what her family was. But she saw what God offered. She saw the promise that Christ offered. And you could just see her trying, wanting to tip over the fence, but being afraid of her family. Praise God, eventually she made that step. She made that choice. But she still does not want to tell her family. So she comes to my house to pray. She's trying to find other Christians. She doesn't have help from her family. She's not willing to go to a church because then her family knows that she's made a choice. So, she's in a difficult spot. She's made the first step, but she needs a lot of help to grow. She doesn't have it. My next friend, Marie. Any of you have been here any other time I've come, you've heard about Marie. Marie is a great friend of mine. She's married, she's got two kids. Her husband is an idiot. Doesn't help at all. Her family is kind of catholic kind of muslim kind of traditional religion they've mixed the whole thing together and when anything happens in their family you can kind of see them marie in the yellow dress and some of the kids and her sister in the background when there's a problem in the family it's a mess they don't know which way they're going they don't know who to talk to they don't know if they're going to go to the church and pray if they're going to go to the mosque if they're going to go to the local practitioners Half of them are accusing the other of placing a curse on the family. The other half is like, no, that doesn't apply anymore. It's a complicated mess. Marie is a committed, dedicated Christian. She will pray. She will go into her room. She will take her Bible. She will pray. But she doesn't have support from her family either. So she struggles alone. She has a few Christian friends in her church she can go to. But these are good, dear friends who are struggling and trying. But without that Christian background, it's harder. So I appreciate so much that heritage. And it's so, so clear when you put it in comparison. Let's see. The next thing I really appreciate coming back to Canada is that this is a safe country. Burkina has been a safe country in the past. But in recent years, things are changing. One of the things I've really enjoyed, listening to election talk, election coverage here, we're talking about who stands on this. What do they think about this? What are they going to do about that? What will, how will this decision affect our lives? I have never heard anyone ask, what if the Liberals lose and they refuse to step down? No one's asked that question. We assume, we expect that our leaders will respect the result of the election. We take that for granted. That's not the case in quite a lot of countries. (laughs) In Burkina itself, we haven't had too much trouble with elections yet, We had a long-running president who was just untouchable. No one could get to him. The elections were just for show. There was never going to be a question. But he's out of power now. He's gone. All the other opposition parties are talking maybe this, maybe that. This one's maybe in his pocket, maybe in his pocket. We don't know what will happen in the next elections. Just to the south in the Ivory Coast, their elections in 2010... The two parties both claim they won. Both claim they... I've got the support of this guy. I've got the support of that boy. They both claim they won. Neither refused to step down. And it caused a civil war. Elections are not always safe. Here, we're not questioning that. We trust. We assume that our leaders respect... The process let's see the other thing I really enjoyed recently I was up in Muskoka for a women's retreat with a good friend and I just went for a walk out in the woods never questioned whether that was a smart thing to do never questioned oh is someone camping out in the woods with other intentions can we just go for a walk never thought about it went for a walk enjoyed the scenery enjoyed looking at the colors, enjoyed the lakes. Burkina is so dry. I love everything with water around here. So wonderful. So in Burkina now, you used to be able just to walk anywhere, not question it, not think about it. But sort of in the last really five or six years, it started to turn around. Now the whole situation behind it is complicated and confusing, no one really knows. Who's up to what and why. The shortest, simplest version is there's tons of extremist groups who have set up their training camps in the Sahara Desert, specifically in the northern part of Mali, right where the name Mali is written. It's the Sahara Desert. It's big. There's lots of places to hide. They know how to live there. There's lots of separate little groups. Some of them work together. Some of them work separately. Sometimes they get along. Sometimes they fight between themselves. Some of them are linked to Al-Qaeda. Some of them are linked to Boko Haram. Some of them are just independent groups that have their own. So we can't say for sure. These are the guys causing the trouble. Some people think that the former president has his hand in things. Nobody really knows. What we know is they're causing problems. They started off early just popping down across the northern border from Mali into the north of Burkina. They'd attack the local police stations, steal all the weapons. From there, they get a little bolder. They come in, they threaten the local politicians. They threaten the local schools. Say, we're not having this French system anymore. We're not having Western schools. You're gonna teach the Quranic school. And so in the north of the country, a lot of schools just shut down. The teachers weren't willing to go. The students weren't willing to go. So there have been hundreds and hundreds of schools that just shut. They get a little bolder, these groups. They move in, they pressure the politicians. Lots of people have left. They've moved south into the country. We're getting more and more now also from the east. Because Mali and Niger, that border is just desert. No one's going to control that. So from the east, they're coming in across the border as well. So what does that mean for us where we work? We don't know. And the day-to-day, the embassies keep an eye on who's going where, what's happening, and they'll send out updates. And they just say, don't go to that province in the north, period. Don't go to that province in the east, just don't go there. In the centre of the country so far, none of these groups have come that far south. So like in the centre, you're okay, just you know, pay attention. Watch what's happening, pay attention. So those are those extremist groups. And then what also happens, because now everybody's scared of their neighbor. Everyone's questioning, "Ah, is he working with them? What about them? Are they going at that? Other tensions that used to just be dormant are rising up. So now neighbors are rising against neighbors and confusing. And it's just really getting chaotic. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. The army is fighting back. The extremists come down, the army fights back, the United Nations are involved in the task force, but we don't really know how it's gonna play out. For our work day-to-day, what that means is in the past, our team of consultants would go to the translation projects wherever they were. Now, most of the time, we have to ask them to come to us. So it changes the dynamics a bit it makes it a little harder because it's cheap for one consultant to go to a team. It's more expensive for a whole team to come in and stay in the capital. So we're not able to be quite as flexible, quite as helpful as we'd like. But God is good. Things are still moving. And there's a verse I'll come up now that just keeps coming back, this passage that I just love. It's out of Isaiah 41. I'll read just these parts, verses 10 and then 12 to 14. I'll read it off the screen, it's easier. It says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God. And I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid. People of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. I love this passage. It keeps coming back. Recently, I've been watching the TV show Chicago Fire. It follows a team of firefighters. In every episode, somebody is in some really dire predicament that team is called out to save them. This person is panicking. There's danger all around. There's this busy team of people trying to help them. But there's always that one person on the team who goes straight to them and says, just look at me. We've got this under control. It's going to be okay. That's what God's saying. Don't look around you. Don't look at that chaos. Don't look at that mess. Look at me. I've got you. This is okay. I have got you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I have you by your hand. So this is our wonderful promise that we look at in Burkina. So We don't know what will come of this situation. We don't know if the army will succeed in pushing these people back. We don't know if they'll get further south. We don't know. God does. And he just says, watch me. That's it. You don't have to be the political genius to figure all of this out and know what's going on. Just watch me, I've got you. Awesome, so that's the security in this country, which I just really appreciate. And then the final thing that I really enjoy coming back to Canada is church. That sounds simple, we always come to church. But here, here I feel home. Church in Burkina more often, I tolerate. I go because you were supposed to be going, it's a good example, you can do what you need to do. But I tolerate it, I don't always enjoy it. Here we're singing songs, even if I don't know them, they sound right. They sound the way I think music should sound. They're playing instruments that I know, that are usually in tune, people have practiced, And it just feels good. It feels like home. What often happens in Burkina, either they're actually using their traditional music, which is the best case scenario, but they're using instruments I have never heard of. They have a different rhythm. They have a different scale. I have no idea what's going on, and it usually just sounds horrible to me. They love it. And usually I'm just trying to clap when they clap. Like, that's my goal. I'm like, I can't not find the rhythm you're using. Let's just see if I can clap when you clap. Sometimes I succeed, often I don't. So it's wonderful to come back to what I know, to music that sounds good, that I can tap along to because I can find the beat, I can find the rhythm. It's so refreshing. I love listening to sermons that come from the text. Pastors who have a Bible, who know how to use it, who know how to teach it. What happens in Burkina quite often, we've got 70 different languages. They don't all have the Bible. Some of the larger languages have the whole Bible. So the pastors have either been taught in French, which is the national language, or in one or two of these national languages. But then they get sent off to work in some village. The pastor has no control over what village he is sent to work in. The denomination just says, we need a pastor there, go. So he might be sent to a village that speaks a language he doesn't know in the first place, let alone have a Bible that he can use and help his church to read. So he's doing his sermon in one of these languages, hoping that enough people in his church understand it. And that's assuming the pastor ever had any training. Some of them had the chance to go to Bible school, know how to read, know how to make their own sermon. Quite a lot of them have just basic training. They've learned four sermons, and they recycle those four sermons. And you'll find very often one of those sermons is about tithing. One of them is about marriage. The other two kind of alternate. So you've got a congregation full of people who have heard the message that Jesus Christ has died for you and he will set you free. And they believe it. And they want to follow him. And they want to grow. But they've only got four sermons to learn how to follow God. They don't get very far. They're trying their best. But they get stuck until they have it in their language. Until they reach that point where I can say now, I love church here because I feel it. Some of my translation colleagues have said when they read the Bible in French, even though they're fluent, they've studied French for years, it's homework. But when they read it in their language, when they've done the translation, now they can react to it. Now it hits them. It speaks to them. So that's where we want to get with each of these 70 languages in Burkina, with the 200 in the four countries to that place where people can react to it, where they can feel it. I'm sure if you talk to any of our friends that speak other languages, and ask them, what was it like when you finally had the Bible in your language? You'll hear amazing stories. Our one colleague, when we finally gave him, it was just a little excerpt. Just a few verses to tell the story of Jesus' birth. He read the first verse and he's like, Yes! Yes, that's it, that's it. He was so excited because now it spoke to him. It wasn't just another story, it was their story. We've been I've been doing a Bible study recently on the book of Acts, and one question they asked around Pentecost is why was it important that they heard all of these different languages? Coming from our perspective, I was like, because now all of those people who were there at Pentecost know that God will speak to them. He's not just the Jewish God that will only speak Hebrew, He's the God that will speak to you, where you are in your language. And when that actually comes alive, yeah, if you go forward next, oh, can't see them at all, too bad. These are their friends holding up that little story with giant smiles, saying, Yes! We've got something. And that's just that little story about Christmas. It's not very much yet. But when you get it to them in their language, they can react. They can appreciate, like I've been appreciating here, reacting, being at home with God. Another colleague I knew said, now I don't have to go to my neighbor in order to get to God. I can talk to him. We have the Bible in English we have so many versions we argue over which one we want and we take that for granted they are looking for anything so that's what we're striving to do that's what we're trying to do Wycliffe stated goals Vision 2025 is to begin the translation for every language that needs it by 2025 that's like six years away That's a lofty goal. But God knows what he's doing. God definitely knows what he's doing. Right, so for us, you're not all coming to Burkina, though you're all invited. So what do we take from these wonderful stories? We go ahead again. We have our verse. Whatever we're looking at, whatever's around us, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. What does God promise? I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will hold you up. I hold you by your right hand. Don't be afraid. For our teams in Burkina, our teams in Mali, Niger, the Ivory Coast, they need prayer. We've heard it again and again in so many contexts here. Prayer is not our luxury. Prayer is what makes it work. When they set that goal, Vision 2025, it was back in 1999. At that point, they were like, if we keep on the same pace, we're not getting to the end until like 2150. That's too long. We're going to set our goal, 2025. They're all motivated. They're all excited. They formed their task force, their committees to go and figure out how we we're going to do it. They came back together a few years later and said, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. How are we supposed to do this? But we're getting close. So one of our reps said, it's gonna end up being like those loaves in the fish. Somehow God's gonna make it happen. We have no idea how. We're gonna have to wait till heaven and ask him, how did you do this? But we need prayer for that. So here I'll advertise for Eddie. Eddie hosts a prayer meeting for the missionaries that Trinity supports. It's been going since 2003. It is a lifeline. For all of the missionaries that this church supports. So, for anyone who's able to make it, I'd encourage you to join. If you're not available on a Tuesday afternoon, talk to Eddie. She prints out the prayer requests. I'm sure she'd be happy to share them with you. So that's our lifeline. That's not a luxury. Without that, we don't progress in the translation. All of the translators, all of these 80 active projects, have their own set of problems, their own set of challenges. All of them are only overcome through prayer. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about money. I won't dwell on it, but missionaries need money. All of the missionaries this church support live off of what people give. So if you're interested in knowing more, you can ask me that. That we, again, trust that God provides because he knows what's going on. So that's quick overview just a brief overview. That's why tonight there's another meet and greet. Questions and answers. If I've touched on something you want to know more, come out tonight and ask. If I didn't talk about something you want to know, come out and ask. All right. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed having this time. For I think I think